Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best value registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. Well, typically what happens is God opens our spiritual eyes and we discover that he's been at work in our family, our workplace, our neighborhood, our church all along. We just hadn't noticed. You're listening to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about strengthening the relationships that mean the most to you. I'm Jill Savage, and I live in normal Illinois. I'm committed to talking honestly about the messy, less than perfect, but normal stuff of life. I'm so glad you've joined me. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to the No More Perfect Podcast. You know, years ago, way back in the 90s, <laughs> Mark and I did the Experiencing God study by Henry Blackaby. And to say that that study changed our lives would be an understatement. I still recommend it to people today. And I learned so much about how God speaks to us and guides us. And I still use the names of God list in the back of the workbook for my prayer time. I recently learned that there is a brand new Experiencing God study Bible out, and I had to know more about it. And that's why I am so excited about today's conversation with Dr. Richard Blackaby, who served as the editor of the new CSB Experiencing God study Bible and is president of Blackaby Ministries International. Welcome to the No More Perfect podcast, Dr. Blackaby. Well, Jill, it's good to be with you this morning. Absolutely. Well, it's an honor for me to have you because literally that study was absolutely transformational for both my husband and I. Mm -hmm. Well, we love to hear that. Yeah. So your father authored Experiencing God in 1990. And I was thinking about it because it was probably the early 90s when we first did the study mm. and it became a best-selling book. Then the Experiencing God maybe workbook came shortly after, or maybe they released at the same time. Uh, it kind of became a movement. And I would love to hear just a little bit of behind the scenes. Like how did all of that impact your father and impact your family at that time? Yeah, well, that's that's quite a story. My my father was a pastor and uh, was pastoring in Los Angeles when I was, until uh, I was about almost nine. Mm -hmm. And then one day we had a family meeting and, and my parents called all the kids in and said there was a little church in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan that was down to 10 people and had a for sale sign out front of their property and were ready to disband. And they heard about my dad. They knew that my dad had grown up in Canada and it was kind of like their last, last hope. And they said, we don't want to put too much pressure on you, but if you don't agree to be our pastor, we're closing our doors. And so my dad felt like God was calling him to, to go and so we did, but when we got there, there was nothing there. It was there was ten people, 
there was no no money, no financing, no help. Uh, it was it basically my dad just had God, and he discovered that was all you need. And uh, and so we just began to experience miracle after miracle. And and it you know it was hard work. It wasn't like it was easy, but we just kept seeing God doing what only He could do. And and eventually, my dad just you know people had were just always asking him, well, how have you? seen God do so many things where you are and how do you know what to do and how do you know when God is guiding you to do this or that and and so he he just started being asked to speak about that and and he was just a an unknown pastor in a small town in Canada but he began traveling around and eventually a, a, a publisher uh someone heard him teaching in one of these sessions and they came up to him and said we've never heard anybody describe God's will that way. And have you ever thought about writing a book? And my dad hadn't thought about writing a book. He thought he was too busy, didn't know how to do it. And they kept hounding him and he, and he would never get around to it. <laughs> so finally, <laughs> so finally they, uh, they put an editor, Claude King and said, just follow him. And everywhere he teaches it, get a manuscript, get a transcript of it and see if you can't help him fashion that into a book. And so that's actually how it was first done. Almost it never happened because dad just was not aspiring to be an author. Uh, he, he didn't think he had the time or the ability. And the publisher just had to stay on him. And they, they took a transcript and began to have him work with them to kind of fashion it. It, it was a workbook first, which is kind of unusual. Okay. It was the um, workbook first. Okay. Uh, it, it was done as a workbook. They, they, they had done some others like that before. It was, uh, they, I think they printed about 5,000 copies and that would, that would have made it a success if it had printed 5,000. But, uh, you know, it's the, the workbook is over 8 million copies sold mm -hmm. now and, and in over 75 other languages that the 8 million is just in English. They don't know how many the 75 other languages have, have produced, but, um, it, and it did create a movement and, for those of us who just grown up hearing dad teach this stuff, uh, we knew how powerful it was. And I, I remember back in the nineties, the even before he wrote experiencing God, just see, knowing that if I were in the audience and I knew that, uh, dad was going to speak at some meeting, everyone else, no one else had heard who he was. And, and I'd be sitting back saying, these people have no idea that they're about to be blown away by an amazing man of God and amazing truths of God. And, Sure enough, uh, you know, he'd be speaking and he wouldn't even be finished his sermon yet. And people would just be flooding to the altar and praying and weeping before God. And, and so there was something, God clearly had his hand on my dad and on the message. And all for the last 30 years, I've watched life after life being dramatically impacted by it. Ah, that is so neat. That is so neat. I can remember going through the workbook myself and, um, you know, I grew up in a faith environment, but, uh, this just took it to a whole new level for me. And when yeah. I, I really, uh, I believe that it just, uh, shot me into a, a new experience for those that are listening, for those of you that are listening, man, if you have not done the experiencing God study, uh -huh. uh, get the workbook, do the study. It is so very powerful, um, because it, it, it really transformed my perspective. I'm all about sharing God stories. I'd love to know, um, that, I mean, I'm sure that people have shared stories with your family about the impact. Uh, you got one or two that you can share that yeah. uh, 
you know, because that's, I just love sharing God's stories. Yeah. Well, uh, so many, you know, they're world leaders. I mean, they're best-selling authors. They're politicians mm. today that will come and say, I entered politics. I became a writer. I, I became a pastor, a missionary because of going through that study. Um, and so, so many stories in so many directions, uh, whole, entire prison systems transformed because some people went through experiencing God or homeless shelters and food ministries begun because someone just went through experiencing God and felt led to do something. I, I literally can't go anywhere in the world. I, I've been in China, I've been in, in Cuba, uh, all over the place, and I've yet to, to go somewhere where someone didn't come up and tell me how experiencing God had affected their life. But I remember a couple of years ago, my dad and I were going to speak at a conference in Dallas, in Grapevine, Texas, at the Gaylord Texan Hotel, if you've ever been there, and Mm-hmm. fancy big uh, hotel conference center and we got there kind of late and they had a bunch of uh, registration tables uh, that you had to register at and and so we're going over there and there's about six different tables it, they were you know processing a lot of people and i i just wanted to get through and get to my room i was i was bone tired and i said to my dad how about let's go into line two that looks like a great line and and dad had said, well, I, you know, normally, I mean, 99.9% of the time, dad could care less what line he's in. He just, <laughs> he just tag along. That's just not where his mind is at. You know, Yeah. I, I obsess over the shortest line possible. So, uh, but he, for some reason on that occasion, he said, I'm going to go in line three. So we, we, you know, we're just being a little silly on the road here. It's like, okay, we'll have a race, you know, who see who goes first. Right. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm checking my emails and things and I'm just oblivious to what's going on. Cause we, we both had long lines. Well, eventually I, I hear a woman's voice just shouting, just shouting, saying, it's you, it's you. And, and, uh, I, kind of came to and looked and sure enough, my dad's beat me. My dad, it's, it's the woman registering him that's shouting. And so I kind of slip over to him and I said to the lady, what's, what's going on? And she's sobbing. I mean, she's got tears streaming down her face and she told us her story and she had, she had been abused as a child by her father. She had had a very, very low self-esteem, just felt worthless, battled depression and suicidal thoughts all through high school, got to university and just all she just, she lived in a dark cloud, felt absolutely worthless. And finally one day decided she was going to take her life. And there was a a bridge that went over a river near the campus. And she was making her way to that bridge to throw herself over. And she's walking through kind of a green space area in the middle of the university campus. And she's about two thirds of the way through. There's people everywhere, voices, but students laughing and talking and and all, but but in the midst of the din, she 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 senses someone calling her name, and she she just thinks to herself, "Oh, I you know I finally got myself steeled up to to take my life. I don't want anyone to stop me now." And so she's walking faster, trying to escape whoever it is who's calling her. But the voice is getting closer and closer, and finally, someone grabs her and spins her around. It's a someone she knows. It's another a female student. And she says, I've been looking everywhere for you. She said, I, I, I'm so glad I found you. And the suicidal person said, well, I'm, I, what do you want? I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of something. And she said, well, we've started a new Bible study at the lunch hour. And this morning I just woke up and I felt like God told me I had to find you. I had to bring you with me today. And, mm. and the, the suicidal person says, well, I, I, I don't have time today. I've got another commitment. And, the, and the, her friend says, God just told me I can't go to the study unless I've got you with me. I've just, and she's literally holding on to her saying, you've got to come with me. 
And so finally the, the woman decides, well, okay, I guess I'll go to a Bible study and then I'll take my life. She goes to the Bible. It's a, it's an experience in God Bible study. It was, it was pretty new then. And, um, and that week they're studying the fact that God pursues a love relationship with you, that he pursues you, that he loves you, that he won't give up until you love him back. And in that Bible study that day, she realizes that God has been pursuing her all of her life. And even though her earthly father didn't act lovingly toward her, she has a father in heaven who loves her infinitely and wants her to experience that. Mm. And so she's so she said, I, I was I, I was saved, I was set free from that dark cloud of bondage. She said, Now I'm serving here in this ministry. She said, God has given me a wonderful life and calling. But she said, I always thought to myself, if I ever get a chance to meet Henry Blackaby, I want to tell him that that, class, that course literally saved my life. And as she's telling me that, I said, well, then I told her the story. I said, well, I pulled him over to line two. And if he had stayed with me in line two, he would never have met the woman, just one <sighs> table over in line three. But my dad just sensing, but I'm sure the Spirit of God just said, no, disobey your, your son this time and get in line three. You've got a, you've got a divine appointment waiting for you at the end of this line. And, and so we've just had so many experiences like that, um, that have just been beautiful and, and we never tire of hearing about them. Right. Oh, wow. What a powerful story. Thank you so much for sharing that. Oh, you know, I remember I can still, uh, you know, one of the the principles in experiencing God is look where God is working and join him there. Mm-hmm. And that has been, I mean, it's like that got burned into my mind when I first did that study and it has guided me in so many ways. So talk a little bit about uh, the seven realities of experiencing God and even how those are integrated into the new study Bible that yeah. you have out. Right. Well, if you've ever been to experiencing God, you know, the seven realities that my dad uh, unpacks and he, he didn't really want to use the word principles. Um, you could have, but uh, he, he was just afraid that too many people are, I mean, the principles aren't bad things, but he would say, but God is more than a principle. He's a person. God is more than a mm-hmm. doctrine. He's not. He's more than a worldview. He's more than a, a, a theological, you know, formulation. He is a person, and so you. That's why I would say you can know a, a principle, but you have to experience a person. And and so he used the word reality, which just meant it's it's this is real. And, yeah. um, and don't don't be satisfied. You know. And I by the way, John, I know there's know a lot of people who said I I grew up going to church every Sunday. And I had no idea that I was missing out on so much of what God wanted me to intend. They said, I, I attended services, but I didn't meet God. Um, you know, I, I encountered a, a sermon, I encountered a song service, but I never encountered God until I, I learned that I could. And so, you know, the first reality, which is one of the most profound, is just simply God is at work all around you. And if you, if you, now you may not be noticing what he's doing, but that doesn't mean he's not working. Uh, and and so the experiencing God doesn't say, hey, you need to get God going where you are too, you know, and, and get try to pray God to start doing something. But typically, what happens is God opens our spiritual eyes, and we discover that He's been at work in our family, our workplace, our neighborhood, our church all along. We just mm-hmm. hadn't noticed. And 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 a you know a companion one to that is just that God loves you and He pursues you, and He yes. He is a pursuing God. Um, and, 
and you might not be noticing you, you know it's it, so many people have discovered later wow you know all that time i had no idea my i thought my mom was just you know nagging me i had no idea god was just working through her to just not let me go and that that christian friend at work i i just kind of blew him off but i but i, I now i'm beginning to realize that christian that lives two doors down from me in my neighborhood God has been pursuing me and sending all kinds of people my way, trying to draw me back to himself. And and then there's just that God invites you to join him in what he's doing. And that's a, an enormous reality that Almighty God, he's got legions of angels to get his work done. He certainly doesn't need you or me, but but he delights in using us. And I think it's uh, it can be overwhelming uh, when God gives you a God-sized assignment, but it's also incredible that you could actually invest your life in God stuff, the things that God cares about. And he privileges you to join him. And probably the most controversial reality, number four, is just that God speaks, that God communicates. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people get hung up on, the, you know, when you, when you say God speaks to people, a bunch of people immediately say, well, I've never heard God say anything. Well, you know, God uh, it, biblically, God at times did speak out loud, but that's not the only. He spoke many, many different ways. And by saying God speaks, it just means God communicates. God God finds a way to let you know what's on his heart and mind. And he can do that through a, your best friend, through your spouse. Um, one uh, A Christian athlete one time was speaking to my dad, and he said, uh, Henry, I I think I, I know what God's voice sounds like, but um, I, I'd I'd I'm not entirely sure. He said, I'd love to know what you think about that. And my dad said, well, he was, my dad's has a quirky sense of humor sometimes, but he said, uh, he said, well, I found that God's voice often sounds an awful lot like my wife's voice. (laughs) And, uh, and and so, you know, God doesn't know, you don't just always hear this uh, mountaintop sort of voice from heaven speaking out loud. Sometimes it's, your spouse just being prompted by the spirit to say something that cuts right to your heart and you know you've just heard from god and so uh, experiencing god takes a couple of chapters just to unpack the various ways that god can communicate of course the primary way is through the bible it's it's in black and white it's uh, unchanging it's infallible it's an errand it's so you you go there as as a and let the spirit of god just show you what verses that he is currently applying to your life right now yeah and then just you know just the the last couple are just that when when you do hear from god it's going to it may well overwhelm you because he's god and he does god-sized things and you're going to probably feel inadequate um i can't tell how many people have just said it the, the most terrifying thing in their life was when they realized almighty god was focusing on them and saying, here's what I have for you. Now, what are you going to do about it? And so it, it causes a crisis of belief that it's yes. like, do I do I really believe that God could use? I mean, I, I don't doubt God can do a huge thing. I just, what I'm doubting is that God could do it through me. I just, I feel too ordinary, too unspiritual. I don't know the Bible well enough. Uh, and so that is really where the rubber hits the road oftentimes, Uh I've had many people come and say, I'm kind of struggling to know what God wants me to do. And when I started talking with them about it, it becomes clear pretty quickly that they actually do know what God wants them to do. It's just that it terrifies them. And they're hoping desperately that they've misunderstood and that actually God wants something far less from them than what they are sensing he's saying. And and so it, the, the last two realities are just that the, the sixth one is just you, you've got to make adjustments to go with God. 
uh, dad kind of unpacks the story of Jesus showing up by the boats on the Sea of Galilee of Peter and Andrew and James and John. And he and what he says is, come follow me. And, um, you know, to being a disciple of Jesus is not just someone who believes in Jesus. Uh, a disciple is someone who follows Jesus. And my dad has said, you can't stay in your boat and go with God. Mm. A lot of people, they, they want to be a follower of Jesus. They just don't want to get out of their fishing boat. It's just like, let me just stay in my comfortable life and world, and I'll be a follower from here. Uh, but but inevitably, Jesus is going to ask you to leave your comfort zone and follow him to places you've never been, and you're not even sure where it's going. you're going to end up. You, all you know is today you need to follow him. And, and then just the last reality that kind of circles around is just when you do that, when you get out of your boat, when you, when you heed the voice of God, uh, you begin to experience God like you never have before. And, and th- there will be friends and family members who stayed comfortably in their boat, never left, never followed Jesus. And then they'll look at you and say, well, why is it that you have so many God experiences and answered prayer? And why do you experience miracles? And I never do. And the reality is, well, because you got out of your boat and they didn't. And, mm. and so when you obey, when you follow, then you begin experience, experiencing God. And there, there, are, there are many fine people that have just lived a moral, good church-attending life, but they've never experienced God in a personal, powerful way. And I would say, well, you know, you don't, I mean, to live an ordinary life sitting comfortably in a fishing boat, you don't need the power of God. You can do that all by yourself. But you get out of that fishing boat and you start following this uh, this Jesus, you're going to need the power and wisdom and provision of God to do that. And so now you're going to be in a place where you need him and you will experience him in ways you never would have if you just played it safe. Yes. Yes. And, you know, as you're sitting there just talking through all of the those realities, I I have never connected the dots on this, but you know, I said that I did the study in the early 90s. And in 1994, um, I was leading a mom's group that I, um, the the group had grown from eight of us to about a hundred of us. Mm-hmm. And uh, I approached our church and said, hey, could we do a, a mom's conference? And the church said, yes. And so we did a mom's conference expecting three or 400 women to come and 1100 women came. Wow. And the next year, 2,800, and then 3,400, and 4,500, and 5,500, and 6,500. And literally, it was it was a crazy movement of God. Mm-hmm. And I can now see, I had never thought about this, how experiencing God laid the foundation mm-hmm. for me to get out of the boat. <laughs> God kind yeah. of like pu- pushed me out of the boat when we had <laughs> 1100 women that showed up and I kind of went, whoa, this is way bigger than a church ministry. Mm. And um, and ultimately the ministry Hearts at Home was born and we ministered moms for 24 years wow. um, with these, these huge mom conferences. And I can truly say that experiencing God laid the foundation, understanding those realities that you just talked about. Really, I I internalized them. I believed them and and saw mm. that begin to happen. So, um, and it's not that God always has something really big like that that He wants us to do, but He wants us involved 
in his work. And he has so many opportunities if we'll learn how to to look for where he's working, um, if we'll learn how to hear his voice. So I love that. And that's why I love that there's a study Bible um, yeah. that goes along with this. So talk about how how is are those realities that you just talked about incorporated? What makes this study Bible unique and why would someone want to pick it up? Yeah, well, this uh, basically the experiencing God approach is just overlaid throughout the whole Bible, and uh, they've done a beautiful job of it. But, uh, but, but basically, there's some icons that just represent the different uh, realities. If God is speaking, God's inviting. If there's a crisis of belief, and it just it, it, it's as if you were uh, reading your Bible next to my dad, and he were, he just kept pointing it out and saying, "Well, hey, mm-hmm. notice there." that uh you know god's inviting right here this this gideon to join him in his work or notice this crisis of belief gideon is saying i'm the youngest one the least the, the most insignificant i mean I, I, you could never use me and and uh and then there's just a lot of helps there's a lot of perspectives and notes um uh one of the, the features is just as you go into each chapter uh there'll just be some notes uh from my dad basically saying hey as you read this chapter don't don't miss this or be watching for that and because a lot of people when they would hear my dad speak they would say you know i, I i'm a pastor i i preached uh, lots of sermons on this same chapter but i've never seen that before I, I, and they would just always say henry wh- how do you see and it, dad wasn't making stuff up and he wasn't just spiritualizing stuff it, he just he just meditated chewed on it and and studied it carefully and and then apply and just found application and and so it's the the bible is just a way of having my dad sort of in a bible study with you saying now don't miss that or stop look back and see that now what do you think god's saying here and how does that apply to your life and so it's just a way to just really wrestle with those passages that my dad did and and then apply them to your life and let the spirit of god just speak to you uh, through those passages, the same way he's spoken to people throughout the centuries. Yeah. So in essence, your your dad is the tour guide. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, I love that. And that's great. I, he's been my tour guide for many years. And uh, I tell you what, if there's no one I'd rather just have walk uh, with me through the Bible than him. Right, right. So uh, you use a term God focus um, in throughout the Bible. What what is that? And why is that important? Well, you know, uh, my dad in experiencing God, one of, one of the things he said is even Christians, we don't like to admit it, but we are very self-centered, self-focused. Mm-hmm. It's uh, And so everything is about, well, you know, what can I do? Or what am I good at? Or uh, what what do I think is possible, and what am I seeing, and what am I not seeing, and and we live a very self focused life. Uh, and experiencing God helps you to be God focused, God centered. Where now you you may look at the very same. Pro- you might have just been laid off your job, and so you look at it as I've got all these bills to pay, and that's not fair. And I've been there for ten years. How could they do that to me? And that would just help us to be God focused to say, but what is God doing? Is God releasing you from that? Does God have a new assignment for you? Were you, would you have been unwilling to consider anything new as long as you had that well-paying job? Maybe God just set you free. Um, and what has God put in your heart? And, and, and all of a sudden you look at the same circumstance entirely differently. Now, yes. now you're, now you're seeing it from God's perspective instead of your perspective. And of course, 
God sees eternity. You know, I, you, you just got laid off and you're thinking, but I've, I've got to think about retirement. I've got to, and, and God is saying, well, you've got a struggling teenager in your home right now. And I've just allowed you time to walk with him. And in walking with him, you're not going to lose him. He's not going to walk away from me. And he's going to end up actually being a pastor who will lead many people to Christ. And in the course of eternity, it's not going to matter that you didn't pad your retirement funds quite as thickly as you wanted to, but I can show you all kinds of things that will be different in eternity because of what I allowed in your life. And so, tell you what, it makes all the difference in the world when you see your life from God's perspective instead of your own. And so that's, as you go through the Bible, uh, that's basically what my dad tries to do is just keep helping you. You could look at the same circumstance from your perspective and you could get quite discouraged. Look at it from God's and you get really excited. Mm, oh, yes, absolutely. And I, I love that. And you're right. We are very, very self-focused. So um, just any way that we can, I often will say, um, that we need to move our eyes off the mountain to the mountain mover. And yeah. and that's really what being God-focused is. Well, and a so, lot of times, sadly, you know, we, we focus on the gift and not the giver. And God gives us a gift, a blessing, and we're so enraptured with the, the blessing, we lose sight of the one who blessed us. Yeah, that is so true. Well, there's no way that you could have served as the editor on this project and been knee-deep in it and not been affected by it in some way. Uh, yeah. uh, what you know, Is there any way personally that, that this uh, project uh, strengthened your faith or affected you? Yeah, well, in several ways. You know, one is just uh, I, I'm a normally have a very, very busy travel schedule, and it's very difficult to write. Uh, I'm actually just submitting a manuscript, just the final edits on one today. Uh, and it, writing is a lot of work. I've been a part of about 40 different projects. And um, but when when uh, when COVID hit in 2020, I had about 100 trips cancel hundred different mm. speaking conferences and meetings canceled because of COVID. And all of a sudden I had all this open time on my calendar that I, I, I didn't have before. And then right at that time, the publisher came around and said, we really want to overhaul and update this uh, experience in God's study Bible. Would you have any time to do that? And here I'm thinking, <laughs> well, boy, poor me, look at all this, all, all these speaking uh, opportunities I had, and now they've all sort of vanished. And and then right on schedule, God says, no, I've just made room for you so you can get some really important things done. And so even the fact I had the opportunity to work on it was just kind of a God thing. And and then, you know, and anytime I just immerse myself, and I've done this on several of my dad's projects where I've kind of updated them and, and kind of refreshed them and, uh, I know him so well that it's easy for me to do that. But still, when I get close to some things he's wrestled with and taught, uh, I can't help but be blessed. And probably the thing, I guess, that, that has spoke to me as much as anything is I, I'm always reminded of how ordinary my father is. I mean, he's I don't I don't view him as just an academically brilliant person or certainly the, not the most eloquent preacher, certainly not the most uh, organized administrator and leader. And yet I watched God do just amazing world impacting things through him. And it, and it always encourages me. It, it just mm -hmm. makes me realize, well, that it's because it's God. It's, it's not my dad. My dad was just willing to believe God and obey him. 
and he was swept up into things he would never have imagined. And but that's how God is. And so yeah. I I realized well, and that same opportunity is there for me too. Am I willing to? get out of my boat and just go with God. And sounds exactly like what you did with the whole mom conferences. Uh, it was a God thing and mm -hmm. God put it in your heart and God knew full well how many people would be blessed if you just trust him and believe him and keep following him. And I just always wonder how many ordinary people out there could be seeing God doing amazing things in, in and through their life if they just had the, the the faith to trust that God knows what he's doing. Yeah. And he, even though it sounds ludicrous to you, just take that next step and watch God begin doing what only he can do all, all to his glory. Yes. Yes. So the new Bible is a CSB translation. That's, yeah. that's not nearly known as uh, right. much as other ESV, NIV, uh, King James, all of that. Uh, talk about the CSB translation. Yeah, it's that for Christian standard uh, translation. It's a, it's a newer one that just come out in the last decade. Um, and uh, it's meant to be a con conservative approach, but also one that's fresh and uh, true to the, you know, to the Greek and Hebrew language and so on. And uh, I've worked over the years in a couple other different translations. Um, but in recent days, I've been uh, I've been preaching and teaching out of this translation, and and for the most part, they um, they they do a good job of just being very accurate. And so, you know, I, I I know sometimes we have favorite translations, and I don't necessarily, you know, want to discourage you from using those. But but I do find if you've been studying the Bible for a while, it's always great to get a different translation because you'll just see some things said differently yeah uh, and so even when i'm preaching and teaching there's some translation like i've got to use this translation when i teach on this passage because i just love the way that they worded this and um and so you know don't just be stuck with just one translation because uh there, there are others that just will pull out a, a, a different dimension to to meaning or insight that you would have missed if you just used one and yeah. so so this is a this is a very solid um, translation uh, that takes the word of God very seriously and tries to, but also at the same time trying to. Yeah, it's a translation, but they're also trying to pull out uh, the essence of what's really meant here. And you know, there's some ancient Hebrew that you it, it you've got to really understand what's trying to be communicated. If you just literally just translate what the words are saying, sometimes it would almost seem like gibberish to us in us in English. But uh, it, it it is communicating life changing truths. So, but uh, yeah, so that's what it stands for, and I've I've enjoyed using it, um, and uh, I, that's typically what I preach and teach out of today. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, as you were just explaining it, I realized some of our listeners may not even understand the difference between a regular Bible and a study Bible. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a moment sure. because, you know, a regular Bible just has the Bible in it. A study Bible has additional notes, like you right. said, like your the tour guide. The, the, yeah. how, what well, would you, know, you add? I, well, uh, yeah, the uh, normal Bible is just going to have the words of God in them. And, that, mm -hmm. and that's, I mean, that's what's most important for sure. But, um, but a study Bible is going to have helps and notes uh and just help you to, to be able to see things uh, like i one of the, my favorite things to do is i teach an adult um sunday school class every sunday at my church when i'm home when i'm in town i do mm -hmm. and um 
And week after week, I've got these faithful students and they'll just, they just, they love it because they'll just say, well, I sit in the room for an hour with Richard and he starts to just walk me through a passage and I see so many things I've never seen before. And, and that's essentially what a study Bible is. It's just saying, okay, I've spent a lot of time studying this. I've done a lot of the research on these people and this geography and this time period. And so like last Sunday, I was uh, teaching out of Hosea and there's a, in my class and there's a bunch of references to, to people that unless you really had studied it and understood what it's talking about, it's mentioning Jezreel, it's mentioning Jehu. And you're, you're like, well, who are these people? And this, this, these verses make no sense to me. Mm-hmm. And a study Bible is going to have little notes to say, well, this DJ, this is who this person is, and this is why he's referencing that place because this is what happened there a hundred years earlier. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, okay, well now, like I, I, I understand what this is about. And so, if you've ever just struggled to read the Bible, and and they start mentioning a bunch of names or places or mountain ranges or cities that you have no idea what they're talking about, it you could you sort of start skimming. It's like, what well, this this means nothing to me. But if, if you could look down in the, the bottom of the page and, and, and it's telling you what all those places are and why it's important and what the writer is trying to say, well, all of a sudden you're just blown away and you're saying, wow, I mean, this is, I was going to just skip right over this, but there's actually a lot of really powerful stuff here that now I get it. Now I understand what was he was trying to say. And so there's just so much more. It's, yeah. it's not the same as, it doesn't have the same power as God's actual words, but it just helps you understand what God is saying and what he's referencing. And so I think everybody needs to have a study Bible. I, I, I have keep one or two on my desk uh, I, that uh, I, I've been a part of in one way or another. Mm-hmm. And it just helps. Uh, it, it, you can't, not everybody can have a whole couple of shelves of commentaries like I have that every book of the Bible, I can pull off six different commentaries and, and look what all the experts explain. But in one study Bible, you can kind of have, it's like having a whole library of commentaries to help you know what these terms mean. And sometimes it'll talk about so many bushels or shekels or or whatever, and you're like, well, what what is that? And this will kind of, it just, it helps you make way more sense of what you're reading. Yeah. So when I'm using a study Bible, I'll read the verse and then I'll go down and look and see if there's a comment on that verse that helps me, or I'll read a section and then go down. Cause usually, uh, if you've never seen a study Bible, um, you know, two thirds of the page is God's word. And then one third of the page, usually at the bottom is, um, the comments or the tour guide. Yeah. And so that's the, the impact. It's like, it is, it's like having somebody point things out, help you understand, define words, make connections that you might not have made, um, in the past as well. So, yeah. Uh, such a such a rich conversation. Thank you. And I'm excited. Um, I just got my experiencing God study Bible. So I will oh, be absolutely beautiful and um, just starting to dig into it. So thank you. So where can people find you online and uh, the other resources that you offer? Yeah. Well, we have a website in our ministry, just blackabee.org. We've got a whole uh, bookstore there of all the different things that we've written over over the years. And also I've got a, my uh, one of my sons works with us. He has a whole 
a website called The Collision, which is just engaging with culture with uh, for young people especially. And so if you've got teenagers or college students that are wrestling with modern music and movies and cultural trends, it just it just sort of helps people get a Christian perspective on that. But uh, I'm on Twitter, and I actually have a podcast called the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast, and uh, just trying to give thoughts each week, whether you're leading as a parent in your home or uh, in your church or in your workplace. Um, how, how does God want you to take your leadership to another level? So we're 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 pretty active. Got a lot of things out there, and uh, a lot of resources, and and uh, we'd love to help and bless uh, your listeners if uh, if we could along the way as well. Yeah. You know, I happen to think when I was homeschooling two of our kids, you guys also had an Experiencing God Youth Edition. Is that still available? Yeah. Yeah. You know, in fact, it's, there's a brand new Youth Edition. Um, my the, the original one was just kind of pulled straight from the adult uh, Experiencing God. But uh, last year, my two oldest sons, my, my only two sons, they completely wrote from from the ground up a, new, a brand new uh, youth experiencing God. It's my sons Mike and Daniel, and they actually made new videos for it that they they uh, are in as well. Both both my boys have PhDs in apologetics, and so they they really wanted to write something that not only would just help uh, teenagers and college students experience God, but also just address some of the you know, the things that the world is coming at them to try to discourage them in their faith and to show them how, how real it is. Um, and I mean, the greatest apologetic I know for God is just experiencing him. (laughs) Yeah. You can argue about him all you want, but when you experience him, you realize, okay, well, I, I, all I know, all I can tell you is my life's been changed by him. So anyway, yeah, if you see uh, the, the, you, the teen version by okay. uh, Mike and Daniel Blackaby. It's brand new and it's really well done. And it'll get your young people, their minds will be racing as they're just trying to get a hold of all that God has for them. Oh, that's exciting. I've been looking for something to take my uh, uh, 12, almost 13 year old granddaughter through. And oh. I thought about experiencing God youth edition, but now that I know that the, the uh-huh. new one exists, uh, yeah. that will likely be my choice. So thank oh. you. Wow. Good for you for doing that with your grandchild too. It's uh, We homeschooled two of our kids uh, for a period of time, right? We took them all the way through high school and, uh, and the one has got ended up getting a PhD in apologetics afterwards. So he certainly didn't suffer <laughs> by, <laughs> by, by having his parents helping him learn uh, what he needed to. Right, right. Well, we didn't we didn't homeschool all the way through, just uh, just as needed. But I remember mm-hmm. uh, the three years that we did, we used um, I used experiencing God as like their Bible curriculum, so oh, it really good. worked well. Good. Well, this has been a rich conversation. Thank you so much uh, for those of you that are listening. Um, any resources or websites that were just mentioned, we'll make sure and put those in the show notes so you can check those out. Um, Doctor Blackaby, would you be willing to uh, close in prayer and pray yeah. for our listeners? Sure, Lord. I thank you for today. I thank you for those listening, uh, Lord. There's there's never an accident with you. There are just divine appointments and. And so perhaps even today has been a divine appointment for some who just needed to hear a word from you, just to be focused back, uh, to be God-centered, 
on their life, their circumstance today. Mm-hmm. And so we do pray that, Lord, you'd help us to see our life from your perspective. Uh, Lord, that we'd, we'd recognize where you're at work around us, in our own children, perhaps. And Lord, help us, uh, if, if we are sensing you, speaking to us, inviting us to join you, help us to have the courage to get out of our boat. Lord, we don't yeah. want to live with regret. We don't want to get to the end of our life and wonder what would it, what would have happened had we only believed you and obeyed you. Just give us the courage to keep getting out of our boat and following you every time that you invite us. And, uh, and Lord, I just know that we will be amazed at the places you take us, the things you do, and the way we come to, to know you as a result. So bless these mm-hmm. listeners. And may this be an amazing day, even before this day is done. Uh, Lord, may you show us something about yourself we never knew. Yeah. And help us to move from just knowing about you to actually experiencing you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so you don't miss any future conversations. You can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over on jillsavage.org slash podcast. I hang out on Facebook and Instagram and would love to connect with you there. You can find me under the name jillsavage.author. One more thing, we have three free ebooks that we'd love to give you. You can find them at jillsavage.org slash free. See you next week where we'll have another conversation about the real stuff of life and relationships.